The curtain opens. The lights go up. Those first few moments of magic. The crew that brings it all to you is here to tell you what it's like to live the backstage life. This is show call. Hey everyone, welcome to Show Call. I'm your host, Chad Allen. My guest today works in Seattle venues such as the Wamu Theater, CenturyLink Stadium, Go Hawks, and Key Arena, which is now known as Climate Pledge Arena. Please welcome stage rigger Melissa Stenson. How are you today? I am wonderful. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Yeah, a little bit of a late start. Sorry about that, but here we are. Yeah, just a little. <laughs> just a little. Uh, Seattle traffic. <laughs> what can really, you do? <laughs> really hoping uh, that it would stay, you know, chill and buzz right through it. But no, people are getting back to their thing slowly and slowly. But surely. then comes the traffic. <laughs> and uh, there was a little bit of rain in the air today, so yeah, that obviously is going to make everybody slow down. Weirdly enough, it rains here all the time, and people still seems like they still don't know how to how to drive in the rain. Rain, sun, snow. I'll never first. understand that. <laughs> yeah. I think that applies to places where it snows a lot as well. People act like they don't know yeah. how to drive in the snow. Yeah, that's crazy. So stage rigger. Yeah, explain explain what that is. Um, we basically just make sure that everything gets in the air safely. Audio, video, lighting, everything. Okay. and and That's just the basic of it. Yeah. <laughs> so what part do you play in all that? Um, I do a little bit of everything. Uh, I do a lot of being in the air, pulling chain, pulling rope. I also do a lot of ground rigging where I'm on the floor, getting everything set up for the riggers up in the air. Mm -hmm. what, are, what are you setting up? Specifically, what are you getting oh, set we up build on steel. the ground? Okay. Okay. Yeah, so we're building all the steel, the bridles, the dead hangs, uh, getting them attached to the motor chains. Uh, getting them ready so that when the ropes come in, we attach the ropes, send everything up in the air, make sure it goes up nice and smooth. Hopefully the riggers up there are doing their part to make sure that their baskets are made properly and safely. Yeah. And after, after the points are set and we check them to make sure they're in the right spot, we start attaching truss or... Uh, audio sometimes that goes straight on yeah and and do you take part in any of like the actual stage building where they piece the stage together because i've seen that like they'll build the stage in the middle of the arena and then like 50 50 people like push it in place right do you do you do any of that stuff it's like one of the coolest things ever i always try to step outside and 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 watch that part of it I've, we don't help build the stage they have carpenters for that um, we have helped push the stage in place. I mean, you know, we get the motors up and out of the way so that they can get it shifted. Uh, mostly that we've only ever done that at Key Arena. But, you know, Tacoma Dome, WAMU, usually stage is already built and ready to go. So then we just do our rigging on top of that. Okay, very cool. And uh, how did you get started in this business? Um, oddly enough, I was working at Slaveway, and <laughs> a stagehand came in 
and I had just gotten into an argument with the store manager that morning about my lack of enthusiasm as an employee. <laughs> and this stagehand came in. I didn't know that he was a stagehand at the time. And I simply was being over-enthusiastic to be a smartass. And I was like, wow, what an awesome shirt you're wearing. Are you having a wonderful day? <laughs> And this guy just came from a doctor's appointment and was just like, oh, you like my shirt? I got it from my work. And I was like, that's so cool. What did you do for a living? Yeah. And he tells me what he does. And I'm like, no, that really is cool. Really? That's what you do? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah. And then he walks off, but then he comes back and he was like, um, if you're really interested, you could pick up some extra hours and come do a couple of gigs. And he mm -hmm. gave me a number to a company, which was Event yeah. Resource Management. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I at first I thought, oh, this is going to end up being this guy's number and it's going to be something weird. And so I kind of waited a while. Yeah. And then I finally was like, let, let me try it. So I called the number yeah. and I got this lady on the phone, Tammy Goldfadham. <laughs> and... Uh, Talked to her for a little bit, and she set me up on my first gig. Like, okay, I'll, wow. I'll do it. Yeah. Yeah, and I immediately got sucked down. I think I stayed at Slaveway for a couple more months, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck this gig. I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Describe your first day on the job ever, the first show. Um, The very first day that I worked, I was super excited. Mm-hmm. And... I went in and was just amazed at the amount of people that were on the ground. Cause yep. my very first day was setting up Chesney at Quest Field before it became CenturyLink. Sure. And it was amazing to walk in and see so many people. Yeah. I had no idea what it took to put a concert together before that. Mm -hmm. And they split us up into groups and we worked as teams to get things done. And I thought, this is amazing. Wow. Yeah. Cool. And it sounds so silly because who the hell wants to go to a job and just build shit all day? It, it's oddballs. amazing to watch. I mean, <laughs> it definitely is. But it's it's us oddballs, yeah. you know, yeah. <laughs> that everyone that I've ever met in this industry, they have some quirk. We are all weird. We're black sheep. There's something yep. off about us. <laughs> But it makes us unique and yeah. to be able to do the jobs that we do. Yeah. It's amazing. It's, I take that to be complimentary. It, exactly. It yeah. is meant as a compliment. <laughs> uh, I put what? myself in that category. So yeah. damn right it's a compliment. <laughs> uh, join us in catering one of these days. <laughs> it gets even more interesting. <laughs> but what is a typical day like at a show for you? You know, walk, oh, walk us through that. Yeah, now your, your average <sighs> show day. So are we doing corporate or are we talking rock and roll? I mean, I want rock and roll, but I do know the importance of the corporate gigs. I mean, <sighs> I, I started doing it myself. And I was like, wow, these are these are actually pretty cool. <laughs> well, the thing about corporate that everybody loves is corporate pays well. Yeah. You yeah, know, we true. are doing yeah. something and we are going above and beyond, you know, just putting a show together and putting mm -hmm. it out there. Yeah. Everything matters with corporate, the aesthetics. Everything has to be really nice and clean, has to be neat. Everything has to be basically covered up and make it look professional even though we know most of this stuff is being put together with crap yep and if you can't you just put pipe and drape around it right exactly <laughs> we'll just we're gonna cover that up we're gonna yeah. mask that yeah. <laughs> 
Um, but a typical day for corporate is getting our gear to whatever ballroom we're setting up in, making sure that the making sure that we set the motors out to the proper points. Yeah. Um, yeah. We go in with plots that have all everything labeled out as far as the length of truss, what's going on those truss, most of the time what's going on those truss, let's mm -hmm. be honest. Yeah. Um, but as long as I get the length of a truss, I know where it's going and I know what motors are going there. And then um, also listed with the motors usually is the amount of weight that should be on that motor mm -hmm. yeah. so that we know that it's not exceeding the weight limit, that it's safe. Yep. And we just get to work on getting the motors in the air, getting the motors run out, attaching truss or audio, whatever's going on there, mm -hmm. and getting everything in the air nice and safe. Yeah. And then we sit around to make any adjustments that need to be done. Yeah. So a lot of times with corporate, and we say this with every corporate gig, it's not done right if it's not done three times. Yeah. You have to touch yeah. it at least three times. Yeah, exactly. So there's quite often we... Raise a truss, somebody comes in, they're like, nope, don't like it. We bring it back in, make changes, take it back oh out. My God. And, yeah. you know, depending on who you have and how picky somebody is, that yeah. could be hours yeah. of just that. Wow. And it could be hours of just sitting and waiting with truss at height until they get everything on it the way they want it, get everything specifically done, get yeah. scenery hung, you know, just everything yeah video walls and all that stuff yeah. yes yeah wow. and we have to go through and do safety checks on everything that's attached make sure it's attached properly mm -hmm. that there's safety cables on them yeah. so that nothing's coming out of the air because <clears throat> we yeah. definitely don't want people getting hurt exactly yeah <clears throat> yeah and then once everything's in the air and it's safe we disconnect uh motor cables so that nobody can move anything after we're off grounds oh, yeah yeah yeah, and we put all that stuff away. So, and if they need anything moved after that, they got to call somebody in. Wow, really? Yeah. Because once you detach that, put it away, and we're done for the day. Hand, once yeah. they give us okay. the go ahead, mm -hmm. and they're like, "All right, you guys can leave. We're done. We'll leave." But it has happened before where they've been like, "You know, we aren't actually done." So they have to go through the chain of command and call people to call people to call us to come back. Wow. How many times has that happened? It's happened a few times, a few but times, it's yeah. it's mostly been on corporate calls. Yeah. Rock and roll gigs are usually, it's it sounds weird. Rock and roll is usually a little more organized Yeah. for being rock and roll. <laughs> like it can be a shit show all the time, but it's organized as in these guys are doing this almost every day. Yeah. They load in, mm -hmm. they load out, they sleep on the bus on the way to the next show and they're back up in a few hours loading again. Yeah. So... They're specific about this point goes here. We're not moving yeah. this shit yeah. and getting things in the air. Most of the stuff is already um, pre-set on the truss. Mm -hmm. So they just roll these truss out, attach them to the motors, pull the legs, get the shit in the air, and they start doing their tech shit that they need to do. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and in rock and roll, like how often does it happen where you have to get called back in? I mean, usually when you're done, you got to come back in for a loadout though, right? Exactly. I mean, it's very for rare. Rock and roll. Yeah. It's very yeah. rare that they need a rigger to stay on for show call. Usually mm -hmm. they just need hands to come in and like do a set change, you know, uh, move a couple of things, maybe page cable. You know, it really just depends on how big the show is and how extravagant it is and what they need. Yeah. But it's very rare that 
any local riggers would stay on for a show call to do mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, y- you have a show call for the corporate gigs too, where they you got to come back at like I don't know, midnight or whatever for Usually, a loadout. Well, we do have to come back for loadout, mm-hmm. but we don't always need to be there for a show call. Yeah, because those it's run usually, a little different, huh? Yeah, and it's usually meetings. I mean, they just need text y- there yeah. to run video, make sure the audio is running correctly, yep. any lighting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. What are some of the common mistakes that you made early on? Um, as a, When I first started as a stagehand or yeah. when I first started as a rigger? Uh, we'll start with stagehand. Um, running cable wrong. There is a male side and a female side, and um, I have run cable backwards. Oh, yeah. And that's a pain when it's, like, over 100 feet. <laughs> and that can piss some people off. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so you've had to, to – uh, we've talked about cable before, and it's just the ins- an insane thing. Um, so you have to pull all that back out and redo it, right? Exactly. <laughs> I I yeah. learned very quickly though. Yeah. So you know you run a cable wrong once. After that you're like, which end goes home? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I need to know where how I'm running this, so I'm yeah. not pulling this back up and redoing it. Cable's a big deal, man. Ugh, it's such a big deal. Cable. Oh, cable. Cable management. Yeah. I my very first um, what was it Cube ninety three Summer Jam? Was that what it, they were called? I th- yeah, Summer Jam. Yep. So my very first <laughs> Summer Jam out at, uh, what is the name of that venue? White River. Yeah. Okay, so my very first Summer Jam at White River, I did not know much about cable management. I just did what I was told. This was very early on my first year. Mm-hmm. And the lighting people were like, oh, you know, you just set cable here and blah, blah, blah. And so we're like, okay, so we are literally dumping cable on top of itself. We're not figure eighting. We're not yep. flaking it. We are not making it pretty at all. It is a spaghetti pile of shit of cable. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I learned after that because come loadout, it became a cable party. Everybody goes to the apartment, yeah. they break down, and at the end of the night, everybody comes to this massive pile of cable, and we're all sitting there trying to weave out oh, individual cables God. to coil them up to what get them put away. What a nightmare. It helps when you have people like me in particular. I love to wrap cable. I know it's wrapped right if I wrap it. So I like to wrap the cable. It's dirty. It's gross and it's heavy. But, But, you know, also having somebody to be like, don't just throw the cable down. Let's make it nice and pretty. I had no idea. And then at the end of the night, you're just like, why was nobody here to direct this shit? Yeah. Why was there no one here? If I was there, I'd be complaining like, why isn't everything Bluetooth by now? (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) What is going on? Yeah, so I definitely learned after that if I had to lay down a shit ton of cable somewhere, I get very specific and I yell at everybody around me, don't (laughs) don't fucking lay that there. Like, set that properly. I'm not trying to deal with this at the end of the night. Yeah, well, and that's the thing. Yeah, because you got to like, if you don't do it right, you got to deal with it later. Exactly. Somebody's going to have to deal with it. They, you know, that, that's one of the, the sayings is always think of the loadout. Yeah, yeah. Whenever you're doing something in the air or on the ground, yep. think of the loadout. How long is mm-hmm. this going to take us to take this apart? You want it to be safe, yep. but yep. you want to make sure that you could take it apart easily at the end of the night so that you're not there for 
five hours, six hours, or however freaking exactly. long. Exactly. Yeah, and we think the same thing in catering too. And like, start loading out what you can, and prepping it. You know, as soon as you can. Exactly. Because, yeah, the loadout. You know, people are kind of grumpy and. You oh know, God. It's been a long <laughs> day. <laughs> so we just, yeah, it's super important for that loadout to be smooth on it, with everyone, backline, rigging, catering, everything, you mm-hmm. know, especially rock and roll shows. Cause those guys are packing yep. up to go to the yep. next show. There's a, there's a, uh, kind of a time crunch, you know, and, and curfew a lot of times too, you know, and yeah. those, those, they, they want to be on the bus. They want to, they want to get their shower in. They want to, you know, get to that next city as soon as possible, you know. Yeah, because they're only getting so much sleep on that bus before they have to be up again. Yep. <laughs> if, you're yes. loaded out, if you're loaded out at, you know, trucks are finally loaded and you're heading out at 2, 3 in the morning. Yep. And you got to start loading it at 6 or 8 a.m. You're not getting much sleep because you yep. got to get on that bus. You got to yeah. get in your bunk. Yeah. Then you got to have your downtime, mm-hmm. your decompressed time before yep. you actually fall asleep. Yep. My, uh, I didn't realize that, but one of, one of my favorite sounds, I didn't realize it until the last tour I did. Um, one of my favorite sounds is that trailer latching. <laughs> <laughs> that means uh, to the bus. Last truck, we're out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love that. Yep. What's the most exciting part of your job? Honestly, and I didn't realize until uh, the pandemic started the most exciting thing to me about work is working with great people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't realize how much I was going to miss that. I, I always considered myself an introvert because mm-hmm. I can be home alone by myself yeah. and I'm just fine. Mm-hmm. And I prefer not to be out all the time and in crowds and with people, yeah. except my family. I love I love the shit on my family. Yeah. But I didn't realize that my socializing was coming, so much of it was coming from work. Yeah. Because, you know, with what we do, we're there long hours, mm-hmm. all the freaking days. Yeah. And when you're working with great people, I mean, you just want to be around them all the time. Yeah. yeah. So that, that was, that's my, my excitement, I guess. Um, before, uh, before I started rigging, when I was stagehanding, I mean, my excitement was just being there. Yeah. Being with the shows, working with the touring crew, getting shit done. Mm-hmm. My sister and I, my sister and my brother and I, because uh, we are all in the industry. Um, our goal back then when we were just hands was to make our road guy the happiest fucker by the end of the day. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, and we just yep. fucking kicked ass and we loved it. They they appreciate that very much. And they've built a Stinson name in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the Stinsons are always the best to have on the call. Because yep. you know, awesome. you again, yeah. you know the job will be done right. Very cool. Yeah. It's a very good feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, I miss everyone too. I do. A lot. You know. And it's hard because it's, uh, with this pandemic happening, it's not like we're all just, oh, well, we got so much free time. Let's go hang out and let's do things. Yeah. That's definitely not fucking happening. No, no, it's absolutely not no. happening. And I, I have um I have a family member who's immunocompromised and so uh with her being high risk, yeah, I'm not going out and socializing or doing anything and putting myself at risk because yeah. I'm definitely not trying to bring that home to her. Mm-hmm. Well, thanks for coming in here and, and, and hanging with us for a bit. 
It's, Autumn, it's Autumn assured me that it was going to be very sanitized. <laughs> it's very sanitized. Yep. <laughs> it's, uh, man, I have never uh, cleaned equipment so much until now. And it's like something I should probably do regularly anyway. I've always like sanitized microphones, right? But like all the cables, taking the wipes like, down the cables and inside, you know, the headphones and like everything all the time. The bags. I even wiped down the, all the everything I carried. It's like, actually some, good. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a good habit to get into, I guess. You know that might become a a thing of the norm here in the future, though, if you think about it. So what we need is somebody to go out there and market a really good product that'll clean the equipment without damaging it. Yeah, that's the thing too. Is like I, I try to use like wipes and not sprays because, you know, too much moisture gets into certain areas and. You, screws up the the gear so and sometimes you pull out those wipes though and they're just soaked in that yeah, disinfectant so you got to mm-hmm. squeeze some of that out yeah yeah so all right anybody listening out there <laughs> this, there's a market well, a, for this coming okay yeah, right yeah well and I, I had a couple restaurant friends i'm not going to name the restaurant but i had a couple restaurant friends that were talking about like the cleaning they have to do now and i was kind of like you weren't doing that before oh my god <laughs> <laughs> like I feel that yeah, way about like, a lot of the huh, keeping things okay. clean. Washing your hands. I mean, why do you have to be told to wash your hands? Yeah, I know. You know, I know. Like, just That's, wash your hands. Yeah. What, you know, so adults do. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's not even just adults. I we have a lot of different age children in my family, and yeah. they're pretty good at washing their hands. Good, good. I think because the adults stay on them. Yeah, right. <laughs> like no, no, no. That's you, good. Soap and water. Don't yeah. just run it under the water for <laughs> yeah, a second. Yeah, right. <laughs> Uh, what are some of the most common myths about your job? I oh, I don't know. I don't know what people out there talking shit about. <laughs> well, do they think you're, um, you know, do they think that, do they just assume oh. that you're there and partying or there to watch shows? Or do they think you're, do you ever hear anyone say like, oh, it must be cool to meet rock stars all the time or must be cool to like, you know, uh, be around yeah. bands all the You know what I'm saying? Does, does that yeah. ever happen with you? But one one common question that I get asked um, yeah. is, oh, so you get to hang out and watch shows? <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, yeah. but most so. of the time I want to load in and get out of there. Yeah. And yeah. then, you know, sure. I'll come back and load out. When in the beginning it was fun to watch shows, but then I was like, I'm tired of this shit. <laughs> yeah. I want to go home and take a nap. Yeah. <laughs> but, right. you know, a lot of times there are so many of us that work multiple gigs in a day. Yeah. So we'll load in, go to another gig, come back and load out. I mean, just back and forth and Yeah. Wow. One um one thing that someone said to me when I had uh tried to explain to them what I what I did for a living. Mm-hmm. They literally thought that riggers would go up into the ceilings and attach themselves to ropes and hang <laughs> from the ropes to get the gear in the air. Wow. that And I, I thought about it, and I was <laughs> like, well, there are rope access techs out there mm-hmm. that hang yep. from buildings. I was like, but that's not what we do <laughs> for concerts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was you're, like, that's, that's a first. You're not, you're not a Cirque du Soleil performer. <laughs> exactly. Not an aerialist. Thanks. Yeah. Not, not happening. As, as cool as that would be. <laughs> do you do the rope access work? I don't. I, I actually got called not too long ago somebody inquired about that for me to go do a rope access gig and i had to pass it on to uh, a couple of the ladies that i know because 
I, that's not something that I ever got into. Yeah. And not that it, it's something that I wouldn't have done. I just, my path, the way that it went and the work that I got into, mm-hmm. it's like I didn't have the time to go and take a rope access class. Yeah. I was just always busy. Yeah. And that's a special certification that has yeah. to be taken. They There's have a couple Sprat, classes. Irata. Right? There's different ones. Um, in the UK, they have uh, another certification on top of Sprat and Irata, and I can't remember the name of it. That's a little different. Uh, that falls in the rope access. Yeah. Okay. Wow. I, it sounds pretty cool, though. <laughs> it. Uh, I mean, the, the people that I know uh, that do rope access, they mm-hmm. love it. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. What is your favorite venue? Hyatt Regency Seattle. Hyatt Regency in Seattle. Okay. Yeah. It it sounds weird, but that is my favorite venue to work at. And what about it is, what about it makes it your favorite? The atmosphere and the mm-hmm. people that I've okay. worked with there. Mm-hmm. They have, it's been amazing. It's, you know, and Hyatt Seattle's one of the newer buildings. Yeah. So uh, going in there and it was really clean. Yeah. They have really <laughs> delicious wa- flavored waters in the lobby, too. Oh. So refreshing cool. after, like, after hustling. Like, where they actually, like, <laughs> infuse it with fruit, like, yes. with real fruit. Yes. Yeah. Cucumber that's, water, that's mint, good. strawberry yeah. lemonade. I'm yeah. Down. I'm down. I'm, I'm going to stop by there just to... You really should. Not stay in here. <laughs> just, just, just loading up my Yeti. <laughs> it's down in the lobby. Nobody ever stops you. People just come through all the time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, it actually it's a it's a really good venue to work at. Um, I really do like the techs that I've gotten to know yeah. over the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're there. Um, well, they haven't. It hasn't been years because that venue hasn't been open that long. But there are techs that transferred there or that were working there when it first yeah. opened that yeah. came from some of the other hotels. Yeah. And so they were there for like the big grand opening. And okay. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And you're doing the corporate gigs there right yes okay and and it's it's crazy how you take a conference room and turn it into a venue exactly you know uh i think i saw you working the um the mike mccready chad smith of the chili peppers uh yes that was at the um, sheraton the sheraton okay yeah 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 uh, you know, seeing that early on and then what you guys turned it into, like seeing the conference room and then there's trusses everywhere and then it's and it's Drake. a concert venue, you know, with these awesome you know, <laughs> musicians up there. And, and uh, I forget who else was there, but I don't know. Yeah, there was, was a lot super, of people. Super cool. Yeah. That um, conference room at Sheridan, that's not very big either, is it? It's not. That's another reason why I like Hyatt Seattle because they have multiple conference rooms and they have more height which makes it easier for setting up trust. Yep. A lot of these corporate people come in and they're the first thing they want is to be able to hang trust and take it as yep. high as possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's not that easy when the ceiling's 18 feet. Yeah. Cause you got to think about you have motor height, truss height, anything yep. hanging below the truss, yep. you know? So by the end of the day, they're only having things maybe 15 feet. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. It takes That's... away a lot of, it takes away a lot. Yeah. And it did seem like at the Sheraton a lot, a lot, I don't want to say crammed into a tiny, <laughs> a tiny room. It's but not it... a tiny room, but it's a, yeah, low ceiling room. You made it seem like there was just a lot of stuff in there when it probably was the normal amount of stuff in there. Right. That, that 
low ceiling can make it kind of feel yeah a little claustrophobic (laughs) yeah Yeah. what was the last show you worked it was a corporate gig Mm -hmm. at Hyatt Regency Seattle okay (laughs) (laughs) oddly enough (laughs) and how did that go you you did you make it through the whole thing Oh, it, it was a it was a smooth day. I think we were going in and we were just loading something out. Yeah, uh, I was, I was probably there less than four hours. I oh, didn't okay. know at the time that it was going to be my last gig, though. You didn't know. <laughs> no. Yeah. Um, there were still a couple of things on my calendar. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of us knew once the announcement was made, the things were going to start canceling. Yeah. So we were just trying to push through. And get as much work as we could until everything got canceled. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, that was my last day. And I think the next day or two is when I started getting emails that this is getting canceled, this is getting canceled. And I was like, all yeah. right, here it comes. So I yeah. immediately, I think that week I filed for unemployment. Wow. I was like, well, I better start getting this ready. Yeah. That's crazy. Did you think it would last this long? Hell no. My God, I thought if we're like anywhere else, you know, that has already dealt with this and we've already seen, you know, the destruction, the chaos that it's caused, we should be smarter than that. We should learn from that. Mm -hmm. But no, our government is crap. (laughs) And so here we are. How many months later? Seven. Seven, eight. Eight. I honestly thought um, if we are canceling things and shutting things down. Yeah. Maybe two months, mm-hmm. you know, maybe two yeah. months and then, and then we'll slowly start to reopen. But that is not how things played out. No, no. Well, with that in mind, um, what message do you have for the, the government officials that are in charge of it? Uh, I honestly think for our state, I think our governor, as much as I respect him, I think he pussyfooted on a lot of things. Right. Yeah. I think he should have been a little more stern about getting shit done and getting things completely closed down on some things and he didn't you know it to 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 say i'm going to set this rule but i'm not going to enforce it that pretty much told everybody i'm saying this but do whatever the fuck you want it's basically telling a child you can't have that candy but if you eat it i don't care mm-hmm. and yeah. that's what we yeah. got from him yeah and that, that was that was a bit upsetting. And so the the first couple months watching that and watching it progress. And I I live in a busy neighborhood. So I saw people constantly out and still hanging out with each other and doing shit from my window. And I'm thinking, I'm never going to leave my fucking apartment. Yeah. I'm going to be stuck here forever because these goddamn idiots are not taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as far as going up above our state, um, fuck that guy. Mm-hmm. If he had any fucking sense, he would have done something a little similar to Obama. He would have sent people over to China to help, help them. What's the word I'm thinking of? To just help them to get their shit together, mm-hmm. you know? To, to maybe go, find a resolution or a solution to the problem. Something, you know, instead of just sitting back and going, ah, it's in China. Let's not fucking worry about it. Yeah. But if he had sent anybody over there to help them... And to maybe start working on a vaccination there. By the time it got here, we've been able to control it a little more. Just send people over there to just be like, hey, go over there, inspect, see what they're doing. 
help them, give them some suggestions. You know, it's that scratch your back, scratch mine bullshit. You know, we'll help you, you help us. We'll learn from each other. Mm-hmm. We didn't get any of that. Right. Our fucking piece of shit president brushed it off as if nothing was going to ever affect the U.S. because we're so goddamn great. Mm-hmm. But not under his fucking rule. Yeah. So this is where we're at. Yeah. We're eight months in and hundreds of thousands of people are out of work and more people are out of work and people are losing their fucking homes. People are... People are fighting mental illnesses that they hadn't had to deal with in so long because they are confined to themselves and what's going on in their heads. Mm -hmm. And this guy doesn't give two fucking shits about us. Yeah, exactly. I have to calm down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm hearing you. Yeah, I hear you. And, and, And here we are, you know. Hopefully things will change after, especially after November 3rd. Tell us how you really feel. Yeah. Uh, please get out there and vote, people. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Well, I don't think this episode will air prior to, will it? Oh man, you know what? That's right. Um, yeah. I I don't know. I don't think so. So that's a good point. Well, then I guess <laughs> I have to say thank you to everyone who did vote. Yeah. Depending on, you, you could edit that out and we'll see what happens. <laughs> I'll say thank you to those who did vote. Uh, but if, you know, shit goes fucking sideways somehow, fuck everyone. <laughs> fuck everyone who voted for that piece of shit. And those who didn't can... vote. Oh, fuck. Fuck those who didn't vote. And fuck you for voting third party. Fuck yeah. you. You know that we are in a fucking situation <laughs> and you want to tell me to vote th- third party because that's the way? You're a fucking idiot yeah. at this point. I think George Carlin at this point would be like, oh, my God, just vote. Just fucking vote. (laughs) You know, he was like famously against voting. He didn't believe in it whatsoever. And I I fully believe that if he were alive today, he would be standing in front of a camera and telling people to vote. I know. Good God. I mean, all those people, you know, back with Hillary, you know, talking about I'm not going to vote because I don't want to vote for, you know, the lesser of two evils Mm -hmm. bullshit, you know, and, and this is where we're at. And now we're in another race where people are still pussyfooting and trying to figure out, should I vote? Should I not vote? Because I don't want to vote for either of them. Yeah. Yeah. Vote for the lesser two evils at this fucking point so we can get one dipshit out of there and hopefully get get our country back into some type of structure. Yeah. We're fucking falling apart here. Greatest country, my fucking ass. I was a very proud American until, you know, we (laughs) voted in some fucking idiot. Yeah. You can well, edit some of that out because we do not need to sit here and talk politics. <laughs> I asked. I mean, it, I, I mean, it legitimately I opened that floodgate. So <laughs> I know you just didn't realize how passionate I was going to be about it. I apologize. I that's, appreciate your passion yeah. and have mad respect for it. Yeah, that's just... what that's what this show is all about, man. It's all about people, you know, learning that we, that we exist. And a lot of people, I'm finding out, a lot of people are just now learning that we exist. Yeah, you Did know you what I'm saying. Think concerts came just <laughs> poof, fell out of the somebody sky. Somebody just you know magic wand. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's what that venue looks like all the time. It yeah. does no. feel like magic at a show, but <laughs> I yeah. assure you, yeah. it is not. Yeah. And and you know, um, that's fine that that people don't really fully understand that that we exist. Or I think it's totally fine because you know you you did your job. If if people knew a ton about you i mean that could be a good thing that could be a bad thing but if they just don't know i mean it's not it's not that they 
don't care you know it's that you did your job so good Mm -hmm. you know when i play drums in a band the best compliment i could get is is them not even realize that anything you know like i'm like oh how was that was that okay and then they're like oh yeah i didn't even think about it and i'm like oh cool (laughs) means i I did my job (laughs) i don't need a big thank you or i don't need a whatever i also don't want somebody to be like dude you're screwing it up man you're you're off time like (laughs) you you were late for the chorus or whatever blah 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 so you know uh, i i think the same way you know when we're working backstage it's just like man if you didn't really even notice then cool (laughs) and that's the point though is that we stay hidden yeah and did such a good job at it that nobody knows we exist (laughs) got overlooked a little bit so so yeah i'm just trying to i'm just trying to you know bring this all to light so you know thanks for saying the things you you want to say because that's also what this is about is that we deserve to say something we deserve to have our our voices heard finally for the first time i feel like exactly so can so, I touch on something? Sure. And I don't know. Sure. You don't have to add this in, but this is something that I do want to bring up, is that the the whole thing with the mental illness, um, I don't know how much you've stayed in contact or have been reading about some of the stuff happening within our industry. Yep. Um, but there was a recent incident yeah. in the South area. I know. Yeah. Yeah, Autumn told me about that. I knew something happened. I didn't know exactly what. And and I I do know the people that you're talking about. I don't know them quite as well as you or Autumn, but um but I I once she told me and that and I I I was like, "Man, this is this is devastating." And um you're you're welcome to talk about it. You don't have to, you know, it's totally up to you, but it, it is terrible. And, and absolutely, um, workers don't only need financial help, but we like, they need, uh, some mental help as well. You know, unfortunately, this is not an isolated event Exactly. either. Um, I mean, Maybe the the specific nature of the event may be not as common, but there are severe mental health problems happening all yeah. over the place yeah. with with everyone in the industry, you know. Um, lots of lots of loss. Yeah. It's just hard to think when you tell someone to just get another job. Yeah. Some of these people, and not even some, a lot of these people, this is what they've known their whole lives. Yeah. You yourself said you started when you were 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah. you understand that it's not just a job. It is more than a career. Mm-hmm. These are people's lives. And to tell them that they don't fucking matter is yeah. telling them that their life doesn't matter. Yeah. So don't fucking tell us to just go get a fucking job. I can't go from what I do to bag fucking groceries. And it's nothing against people that work um, for grocery stores because my best friend works at a grocery store and I love her to death and she works her ass off. 
Yeah, and it's much appreciated. Yeah. It is but more than that. You don't just fucking tell somebody to get a fucking job after you've told them that their career and their life does not fucking matter. Yeah. And that fucks with people. It does. We've got everything taking away from us. <laughs> and it doesn't seem like the government gives two shits or that they want to fucking help us. Mm-hmm. And now they might take away our insurance. I'm yeah. losing my insurance in the end of December. I think mine will be gone by the end of January. Wow. And, that's, and I, I take a medication hard. that I can't stop taking for the rest of my life. I have no idea how I'm going to pay for that. Yeah. You know, and for for someone to tell us that they're going to take away universal health care, mm-hmm. that does damage to a lot of people that can't afford certain things. Yeah. And that being, you know, the medication or mental health counseling or just anything. Yeah. So many Americans will not go to the doctor or urgent care, you know, for something until they're damn near dying. Yeah. Until by the time they go, it's, oh shit, it's too late. My dad lost his job and had a hard time finding work afterwards. Mm Mm-hmm. So by the time he got diagnosed with cancer, he was already in stage three. So it would have been nice for him to have had medical before then. Yeah. Instead of applying for it when you're in the fucking emergency room being told that this is where you're at and this is how much time you have left. Mm-hmm. So... I'm sorry. No, it's 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 okay. I know this podcast is supposed to be fun, and you know we're all supposed to be it's supposed getting to together. Be, it's supposed to be real. It's That's about sharing it your story, your yep. experiences. Yeah, my experience has just been paying attention to what everybody else is going through, and it's been really sad. You know, yeah. aside yeah. from what happened in the South with that couple. There have been people who, unfortunately, have, like, they've taken their own life mm-hmm. because they see no end to this. I mean, when I heard about that nurse that killed herself because she was in New York on the front lines dealing with all that, mm-hmm. that was fucking heartbreaking, and that yeah. scared me. Yeah. It scared me to think if somebody who's been on the front lines does not see an end to this, and it has put them in a position where they think this is their only way out... What does that tell us for the rest of the world? Not even just America, but the world, because there are spikes that are happening again. Yeah. All over the fucking planet. Yeah. Well, Melissa, I really, I really appreciate you coming in here and sharing that with us. It means a lot to me. It means a lot to everyone listening. It means a lot to, you know, everybody in the industry. So, you know, Hopefully we'll make it through this, you know. I know we will. Yeah. It's just how long is it going to take? Yeah. You know, yeah. how long is it going to take to set some standards and actually have people enforce them and have people follow them? Yeah. I understand that there are people out there who say that they're medically exempt from wearing a mask. But if you're medically exempt, that means that you have something going on, which means that you do have to see a doctor on a regular basis. You can't mm-hmm. tell me that you don't walk into a hospital and have to put on that little paper mask just to see your doctor. Yeah. yeah. 
So yeah. you could wear that little paper medical mask to the store mm -hmm. or yeah. when you go out or when for whatever reason, even though you have a condition, you decide that you're going to go to a restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. Wash your fucking hands. Wear a goddamn mask. Yeah. For yeah. fuck's sakes. I will never get back to work if people keep fucking Same. up. Yeah. Yeah. Same. And we, we definitely would like to go back to work and we, you know, definitely want the public to be safe. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a crazy thing. It's like, you know, we care about safety because we have to do a lot of things at our job that revolve around safety. So when it is a matter of public safety, we understand that we get that. We're not trying to argue that. Um, but the longer that people ignore that, the longer it'll take for us to get back to work. You know what I mean? And I don't think people fully understand that even in another state, if there's a spike, that still means for us here in Seattle, we can't go back to work. Mm -hmm. So when I hear that there's a spike or the, the governor in, man, I hate throwing Florida under the bus, but they're, they're always the first that comes to mind with a lot of craziness. I'm sorry if I... <laughs> I love you, Florida, but damn, man, when there's a spike there or Arizona or whatever, and the governor's just like, well, we're just going to open everything back up. It still means for us, it, that's still bad news, <laughs> you know? Especially so, with all the traveling that's still happening. Yeah. And I'm like, man, people don't understand that, like, you know, it, it, a lot of locals here, you know, yeah, hopefully we'll be one of the first states to just, you know, fully open back up and. You know, I, I'm hoping, but in, in the entertainment industry, like if there's another state that's not getting their shit together, that's still for us, you know, it's not good. So, yeah. And I mean, what are we going to do for work? Yeah. <laughs> there are so many people that are on unemployment and they are searching for work there are people that are out there that are taking classes in a whole yep. different field to gain some type of work. Yeah. It's just not that easy. I, it's not work, but I learned how to change a radiator and a Honda Accord. That's is, right. Is That's this, right. Is this why the girlfriend's dad came over? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say I successfully changed it. I said, I got the, I took the open out, put the new one in. And then a flood of radiator fluid. Yeah, <laughs> 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 you learn, right? Hey, man, I've <laughs> I've been doing this for however many years. So exactly. I, you know, so I'm like, I'll, you know, I'm I'm always down to learn something new all the time. But I'm like, man, scratch mechanic off the list. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe mechanic assisted. I can hand you the yeah. tools and you no. can teach me. <laughs> Man, I held that flashlight like a pro when they fixed the leak. <laughs> I got out my best flashlight, too. I have a pretty sweet collection of flashlights. And I'm sure you do. <laughs> <laughs> flashlights and headlamps. <laughs> yeah. Well, I love those little black flashlights. That, that, you know, we've. Man, I'm telling you what. You know, dressed in black, I, I have radio on me, and I'm in hospitality. But if I need to, like, get to the stage or something to drop a case of water or go, you know, put some drinks in someone's coolers or something, and I gotta like cut through. Um, it was at the the Aragon Ballroom. You had to go through the crowd in, in Chicago oh, to get to the stage to fill up coolers or whatever. 
and I had that flashlight, and I, and I wave it around at people, and wave it here, and wave, it, and it was like the Red Sea that parted. <laughs> and I'm like, this, there's so much power in this little flashlight. I love it. <laughs> so yeah, I bought like 15 of them or something, and like they're great keeping to them have. everywhere, and they're yeah. so cheap. I know. <laughs> And so powerful. They are. They really are. And no, I don't mean it, the brightness. I mean, in a dark room, way. someone sees that flashlight. They're like, "Oh, oh, what's happening?" Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, until actual security comes up to me and is just like, "Hey, you working? Go over there and blah blah blah." I'm like, "Nope, actually, just just replenishing some water." <laughs> just dropping this off, Matt. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you again, Melissa. Thank you so much um, for coming in here. Thank you for having was, me. Yeah, it was good to see you again. It was good. It's good to get a little cry out. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay. And thank you, everyone. This has been another episode of Show Call. To help save live events and the crew that make them happen, visit WeMakeEvents.org and tell your representatives how important live music is to you. To help save venues in Washington State, visit KeepMusicLiveWA.com. If you live outside of Washington State, you can visit SaveOurStages.com. If you'd like to be on the show, contact us at guests at ShowCallPodcast.com. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Google Play. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook. New episodes uploaded every Tuesday. See you next week. We make events, keep music live WA, and save our stages is not affiliated with Show Call Podcast and is not responsible for the views on the show.